0: Hi, Helen Hong. Hi, J. Keith Van Stratton.
1: This is totally how we greet each other normally. Mm -hmm. And hello, listeners.
0: The network that our show is on, Maximum Fun, is throwing a virtual block party from now until October 22nd. And you are invited. In fact, you're already here.
1: Yeah, and during Block Party, Max Fun shows are releasing episodes that are especially welcoming to new audiences, like this episode you're about to listen to now.
0: So if you've been encouraging a friend to try out our show, this is the perfect episode to share with them. And it's also a great time to check out shows you've been curious about since they're releasing episodes geared towards new audience members too.
1: You know, I've been a Max Fun listener for years before I was a host on the network. The shows I especially like are Jordan Jesse Go, The Flop House, and Oh No, King.
0: We also recorded a Meet the Neighbors mini episode with John Moe of the podcast Depression Mode, great title, where we talk about what our shows have in common and even play a quiz about mental health.
1: That's a quiz where everyone wins. That special Meet the Neighbors episode will be in our show's feed soon. It's all part of Maximum Fun's Block Party.
0: Block Party also has games, recommendations, a volunteer event, a limited edition poster, and more. Find out more about all that fun stuff at MaximumFun.org slash block, block Party. Thank you, Block Party. Woo! Pew, pew. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Straten.
1: Hello, Helen. Great to see you again. Nice to see you, J. Keith. In fact, I have been seeing you a lot. Uh, As you know, I'm a big baseball fan. I've been watching a lot of the baseball postseason, which is happening as we record and I think as this episode drops. And I've been seeing you in a Geico ad uh, again and again and again. So congratulations (gasps) on that.
0: Oh, I'm happy to hear it because every time you see it, cha-ching for me. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Well, it's a really cool ad for those of you who haven't seen it. You get to appear with an icon of our childhood.
0: I appear with Animal, the Muppet Animal. And honestly, it's, it's the most starstruck I've ever been after meeting Sir Patrick Stewart.
1: Wow, and and quite a quite a disparity in hairstyles for the two of them as well. Yes, yes. Uh, what was it like working with Animal?
0: It was crazy. Um, the puppeteers. There's two puppeteers that that work Animal. Uh, one has his hand kind of up his behind, as as puppeteers do. And then there's another puppeteer that kind of works his arms and his his eyebrows and stuff like that. And They'd, and and one of them does the voice too and so he's he is animal like he speak when he opens his mouth he speaks and and after a while you just Gotta kind of go oh my god this is a real person <laughs> and even even like a, a quarter of the way through the day the director of the commercial just started referencing Animal like <laughs> directing Animal like okay Animal if we could do another take where you fly down the banister <laughs> a little bit faster and now we be okay
1: <laughs> very very cool and uh, do you get to spend some time off uh, offset off screen with Animal
0: I did not there are very strict rules about interacting with Animal um, I think it comes from the the jim henson company itself that there's Mm -hmm. uh strict rules that you can't really touch him or interact with him and and the puppeteers you're not really supposed to bug them uh Uh, but what a
1: diva i know
0: i know but we did a take where um we were setting i was sitting at a kitchen table and animal was sitting it's it's kind of standing next to me and animal the puppet directly looked at me and said (gasps) Pretty. <laughs> and I just about fainted and fell off my chair. I was like, animal. You see that animal says I was pretty.
1: <laughs> well, congratulations! I am inspired uh, either to watch the Muppets or to buy insurance. So one of one of those will be the results <laughs> of that ad. Thank you. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first.
0: He is a singer and songwriter who was runner-up on season seventeen of The Voice and whose single, Waiting on You, is available for download now, it's Ricky Duran. Hi, Ricky Duran.
1: What's going on, guys? Oh, it's so wonderful to see you uh, and, and to, to hear you. Your auditions and all of your performances on The Voice were so moving. I, I have to admit, I hadn't watched the show much before, but these performances, you really brought a lot of emotion to it.
2: Thank you so much. Yeah, it was uh it was an interesting time for me, uh, my time on The Voice, it had just happened recently after my mom passed away, so there right. was a lot going on emotionally there, and I'd been doing music my entire life, so to get that opportunity was, was a big deal for me.
1: The Blind Audition video, where that's the one where the judges have their backs to you and then they turn their chair, it's gotten over two and a half million views on YouTube, and what was so cool is all four of these judges, who are big music celebrities, turn their chairs within 30 seconds. What goes through your mind when that happens? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was pretty wild. I, I honestly, it happened uh, quicker than I would have imagined. Yeah. There was a moment of, you know, shock, and then just, you know, keep singing.
0: Like, yeah. cause
1: <laughs> there's,
2: there's that moment where you're just like, oh my God, they're looking at me right now. It's like, it's Blake Shelton, there's, you know, but I just wanted to stay in the moment and, and deliver a good performance.
1: Very cool. Wow. And what did you learn from Blake as a mentor? that you took with you after the show.
2: He's very charismatic and he always knows what to say. He's always on, you know, if you watch the show, he's always like quick with these jokes and uh, his personality is is just really, uh, it's very enamoring.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed by your song choices uh, throughout. How much of that is up to you as a performer and how much of that is guided by the producers or the mentor?
2: So at the start of the show, you have less control over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might, you know, give you a list of 100 songs and say, pick your top 50 mm-hmm. and sometimes you come back with, oh, this was number 49. Like, <laughs> but as the show goes on, the producers trusted your musicality a little more. I switched a few songs towards the end and I said, hey, I'd rather do this one. And they took me up on it. So I'm happy about that.
1: You also got to perform some of your original songs as well as play the piano and guitar, uh, show mm-hmm. off some of your talent there. Uh, what was it like to perform an original song with such a huge audience?
2: It was amazing. And actually, surprisingly, that was the one that uh, reached number one on the iTunes charts. Right. So it was probably the best-received song that I performed.
1: Well, speaking of original song, uh, your latest single is called Waiting On You. This seems like a very personal song. It's about dealing with loss. And the Mm -hmm. video for it is also very moving and personal. It opens with you at a cemetery with a headstone that says Duran. Um, Tell us about what was going on there, what inspired the song, and especially the the ending of the video, which was very moving.
2: For sure, yeah. So I Lost my dad to Suicide in 2012, and since then, um, I've kind of sporadically been working with an organization called the American foundation of suicide prevention. And I had this song waiting on me written years ago, and I never thought I'd release it because it was something so personal to mm. me that I, I just, honestly, it was like terrifying to, to show it. But my sister came to me this year and was like, Hey Ricky, I really think you should release this with this organization. Let's contact them, see if they're down. And, uh, they were, they loved the song and they actually sent over some volunteers. For the AFSP to fe- be featured on the music video, it was really amazing. So I got to meet all these people, and there was a chance. If you watch the music video, mm-hmm. they kind of share briefly their story, their loss. You know, right. that's what made it really come together for me. Although it's a song about my loss, mm-hmm. it's more a universal problem of of, of suicide and dealing with that.
1: I appreciate that the video ends with the number for people who are struggling with suicidal thoughts, and we'll share that in our show notes as well. Last thing I want to ask you about, one of the coolest things you got to do after being on The Voice is a dream that I have, which is to sing the national anthem before a sporting event. Um, oh, wow. What was that like, and what kind of tips can you offer to someone who might get that opportunity, hopefully because they host a podcast? It is totally different
2: than a normal performance for me. Especially because it's a cappella, basically just vocals. There's no music. Mm-hmm.
0: And you got to remember the words. Yeah. And, like,
2: see, who, that's another who thing. Who can remember
0: <laughs> the words to the Star Spangled Banner? Like, we kind of know the words, but not really.
2: Well, here's the thing you think you do, and I'll be like reading them before, but there's always, you can YouTube all the, you know, horror moments, of people <laughs> forgetting and then just staring like blindly. That's um, not when
1: you want to go viral.
2: <laughs> no, I would just say try to keep calm because, you know, It's a song that has a a lot of range. It starts really low and usually low registers. You can tell when someone's nervous because that's when your voice starts trembling.
0: Wow.
1: Well, we're so happy that you made it to our home here, Ricky Duran. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Helen, against whom will Ricky be competing?
0: She is an award-winning and best-selling author, editor, professor, and cultural critic who is a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times and who writes the popular newsletter, The Audacity. It's Roxane Gay.
1: Hello, Roxane Gay.
3: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it's our pleasure. Well, among your books, some of the bestsellers were Bad Feminist and Hunger. You also uh, work on the comic book World of Wakanda. You're an advice columnist in The New York Times with your Work Friend column. And you also own a book imprint called Roxanne Gay Books. So a lot of people go to you for writing advice. And uh, you've said that the number one piece of advice I give to up-and-coming writers is to be relentless and to have a day job until you don't need one. Uh, (laughs) Tell us about what you mean first about being relentless as an up-and-coming writer.
3: Well, you know, it's pretty competitive to make it as a writer, anyone can do it. And it's challenging, but possible, but you really do have to be relentless. And you need to thick skin or mm. you need to be able to heal when your skin is not thick, when it's mm. thin and you know yeah. the rejections start to get to you. And you just have to keep moving forward once you process your feelings about rejection each time because you're going to encounter all kinds of rejection as a writer.
0: By the way, all of the advice that you just gave applies Absolutely 100% to stand up comedy as well. <laughs> yeah. Like there's an adage in stand up comedy where they say it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. <laughs> you just yeah. got to
1: keep I, going. I see Ricky nodding along as well. It sounds like it's the <laughs> right same there in music with the too. Music, same
2: thing. <laughs> yeah. I've said that before the relentlessness. You got to keep pushing to yeah. get to where you want to be, I
3: guess. A lot of times people get obsessed with ingenues mm. in the writing world. And it's always interesting when you see, you know, a 22 year old or 25-year-old publish a book, which is you know a great achievement. But you always have something interesting to say, whether you're 22 or 62. And I think it's important to remember that and remember the long game.
1: That's a great message. Speaking of advice, you write the work friend column for the New York Times. I'm curious about some of the themes that you've discovered as you go through the questions that people have.
3: A lot of people are really just concerned about Can I quit my very terrible job? And (laughs) if so, what will happen to me? It's really a stark reminder of how many people, you know, we all work because we have to, but some of us are lucky enough to love what we do. And so I try to answer as well as I can.
1: Is there anything that stumped you or maybe required more thought or research than other kind of
3: questions? You know, a recent question that stumped me, and I think it's partly my age, was a question (laughs) from a young woman who said that she doesn't want to work 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And that is there anything possible for her in the world? And because I'm older, a part of me was just like, "Girl,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, most of us work sixty hours a week. Yeah. What are you talking about?" Yeah, it, it
1: sounded like she was relentful instead of relentless.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know, the thing is, she was asking a genuine question and mm-hmm. a question that deserves consideration. And so, I really had to think through how to respond. To both acknowledge reality, but also to acknowledge that we have an obsession with work in this country. Mm. And there's nothing noble about 40 hours a week or more. And people should be able to have a life. One of the things she talked about was wanting to start a family and wanting to pursue her interests and even run errands. And there's something wrong when we get to a place where that's not a possibility for people. Mm. And so I tried to find a balance much to the disagreement of many of the people who read the column, <laughs> yeah. who said that I was a tool of the man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, if I'm a tool of the man, Yeah, If not saying gay
1: is a tool of the man. That that's <laughs>
3: something. But, you know, that question was hard. That was yeah. a challenging question to answer. Wow. That's
1: what I want to ask you about. You've become an art collector and I read that uh, Lichtenstein is your number one artist. Yeah. He's someone that I love as well. I've never been able to articulate what I like about an artist. And uh, as a wonderful writer, I'm wondering if you can and maybe using lichtenstein as an example why do you love lichtenstein because all i can say is it makes me feel something
3: i think primarily it makes me feel something okay i love his use of color Mm -hmm. i love the way that he seems to always be tongue-in-cheek when he is depicting everyday objects Mm. but doing so in his very unique style I love that he does what he does and calls it art and then people are like, Yes, yes, I'm going to value this at millions and millions of dollars. Even on a on a technique level, I think that he makes very beautiful work. Okay. I just love looking at it. And I think it's so important to remember that, that it's okay to just love looking at something. Mm,
1: I'm really happy to hear you say that because that that's that's what it is for me. I just love looking at it. Even though I can recognize, hey, those are Ben Day dots. Uh (laughs) Awesome. Well, we love that you have joined us on today's show. Thanks so much for being here, Roxanne Gay. Well, Roxanne and Ricky, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Ricky, you said you know a lot about slasher movies, Planets of Our Solar System, and Jimi Hendrix. Whereas, Roxanne, you said you know a lot about 1990s hip-hop, the movie Pretty Woman, and the fictional world of Clive Custler novels. Later on, we'll ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics, but first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Sure Shot. First up is Ricky. Ricky, your question
0: comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves, because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactYourPod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, hit it.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Kevin Hong, no relation to Helen, and I'm from Seattle, Washington. My question for What's the Difference is, while they both help you be more sure of something— What's the difference between Ensure and Insure? Ensure and Insure. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Love the show.
0: Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Hong, homie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We found another Hong for our show. How lovely. All right, Ricky, you heard Kevin Hong. Uh, What is the difference between Ensure and Insure?
2: I'm going to just give this a guess here. Great. Uh, When I hear Insure, I think insurance, that something has to be, there needs to be like some... Some backing of, uh, I don't know, like maybe finance or some some collateral there out. Okay. Versus insure, I just hear it as a a phrase, like, I insure that this will be there, almost like a promise. Like a promise. Something. Okay, great.
1: Well, we've got Ricky's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Roxanne, you can steal if you don't think he's got it right. What do you think?
3: Well, when you insure something, it's you're making certain you're. It's not as easy as it looks, is it? It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> when you're insuring something, you're making sure that you're giving someone your word. You're making mm-hmm. sure that whatever it is, you're going to follow through on or that it's going to actually happen. And when you're right. insuring something, it's that if something happens, mm-hmm. you will be taken care of after the fact.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: All right. Well, I am
1: sure that this segment needs to end. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts.
0: Here are the facts. To ensure with an E something, you make sure that it is true or that it is going to happen. You do what you can to guarantee it. To insure with an I, you cover it with an insurance policy. You pay money to make sure you will be compensated if something happens to it.
1: That's right. Now, this, by the way, was not always the case. Ensure and Insure were identical until the mid-1800s when usage guides began to suggest the difference that we have today. This coincided, not surprisingly, with the proliferation of insurance companies and laws that cover them. Today, Ensure is also a brand of nutritional beverages that taste like slightly liquefied chalk. Helen, how did our guest do?
0: I think Ricky got both parts correct. Yeah, because you said the insurance part for insure, and then you said Ensure was a promise, which is yeah, similar to what we were saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, I'll tell you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope you will. All right. That's two <laughs> points for Ricky. Uh, all right. Up next in Sure Shot is Roxanne with Shot. Roxanne, while both might help you feel less sure on your feet, what's the difference to a bartender between a jigger and a shot? A jigger
3: and a shot. I think a jigger is what? Probably one ounce is and a shot is two. Okay.
1: Okay. We've got Roxanne's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Ricky, what do you think?
3: See, I always thought a
2: jigger was the tool, like a shaker for for Mm bartender. Could be wrong, but uh, then a shot is uh, an amount of ounces of, Of alcohol. So I know Roxy
1: said it was two. I'm just going to go different and say it's it's one ounce. All right. Well, this segment needs to be rejiggered or shot. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts.
0: Here are the facts. Both a jigger and a shot are measurements of fluid. Mm. A shot is about one ounce and a standard jigger is exactly one and a half ounces. But the bigger difference is that a jigger is the device that measures the shot. It's that metal thing that kind of looks like a hourglass with a cup on each side.
1: That's right. By the way, the term jigger is thought to be a shortened version of thingamajig, uh, just like Jay Keith is short for pretentious. (laughs) Helen, how did our guests do?
0: I think Ricky also got both of those points correct.
1: Yes, I think you got it that it was a device and also that uh, one ounce for a shot. So very nice, Ricky. What is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the
0: end of that round, Ricky Duran has four points and Roxanne Gay has zero points.
1: All right, but those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, I have an exciting romantic update. I recently had an anniversary with my girlfriend, and you will never guess what she gave me as an anniversary present.
0: Does it involve Magic Spoon cereal?
1: It does involve Magic (laughs) Spoon cereal. In fact, it was Magic Spoon cereal. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I am very easy to shop for, and again, I think my love language is magic spoon. Oh, I love this stuff. I was so happy to open the wrapping paper and see that it was a case of Magic Spoon because Magic Spoon is so great. It's a wonderful reminder that healthy breakfast doesn't have to be boring. Magic Spoon has all of these amazing flavors that you love, but without the carbs and the sugar. And it's amazing just as a snack in and of itself, like a midnight snack right before bed. I sometimes just have a handful in the morning with a cup of coffee, and I do not regret it. Helen, <laughs> tell them why I don't regret having Magic Spoon.
0: Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 140 calories, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. And you can build your own box. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream,
1: and maple waffle. My mouth is watering just hearing those flavors. And it's so great because they put on these temporary flavors sometimes, like cookies and cream and maple and waffle. And if they're popular, which those two are, they bring them back permanently. Oh, thank you,
0: Magic Spoon. <laughs> Go to magicspoon.com gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact to save $5 off. Thank Thank you, you, Magic Magic Spoon. Spoon. I'm Lisa Hanawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. (laughs) Tune in to hear about... Low-stakes
4: neighborhood drama. Gardening. The sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse-girl lifestyle. Hot sauce. Addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture.
0: And the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it, no matter how gross. (laughs) There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby G geniuses hosted by us two horny adult idiots hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all every other week on maximum fun Crazy
4: geniuses, tell us
0: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Ricky Duran and Roxanne Gay. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van Stratton.
1: Thanks, Helen. All right, Ricky, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about slasher movies, Planets of Our Solar System, and Jimi Hendrix. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you love slasher movies and chose it as a topic.
2: All right, so I have three older sisters, and uh, I guess I was kind of probably prematurely exposed to <laughs> horror films, <laughs> you know? but uh growing up there was how always, prematurely i mean i i saw the exorcist at the age of like six
1: that would that it, would be a little premature i would it think Yeah, pretty
2: much traumatized me yeah. for a couple of years <laughs> i watch. have
0: the exact same <laughs> experience my i made my little sister watch um nightmare on elm street at six and she's no still <laughs> she's still like i i have to go to therapy for that thank you
2: thank <laughs> you but yeah just always loved slasher films and and uh Even though they kind of get corny looking back now, you know, the 80s and the early 90s films, there's something about them that's nostalgic to me.
1: All right. Well, you also said you know a lot about planets of our solar system.
2: Yeah. So uh, in school, that was I was always very fascinated with space. That was one of the uh, few classes that I would always pull, you know, A's on my tests Hmm. because I was actually interested in the subject. So, um, you know, I I think I know a little more than I'm the average person about our planets.
1: Do you have a favorite planet? I do, Neptune. Neptune, why that? Yes,
2: because it's blue and I like the blues pretty simple. Uh, <laughs> but I, it's always an, it's an interesting one too because it's there's not too much known about it because it's so far out there. Right. It's just a mystery about it.
1: But it's like art. Sometimes you just feel something and you like looking at it. Right. All yeah. right. And then finally you said you know a lot about Jimi Hendrix.
2: Yes, and this one might be a little more obvious, but I grew up listening to blues music and fell in love with the music of Jimi Hendrix. At a young age, I would say I was slightly obsessed with his life, to be honest Mm -hmm. with you. I I have like books of him and uh, he was also an artist and paintings and I just thought how he came about and changed rock and roll was so incredible and unique.
1: Very cool. All right. Well, to summarize, you said you know a lot about slasher movies, planets of our solar system, and Jimi Hendrix. Today, we're going to quiz you about slasher movies. <laughs> All right. You mentioned a few slasher movies. What are your favorites today? I
2: really like Halloween. Mm-hmm. It's one of the original classics, and I think they did a great job with that. And I still like watching even the remakes they make now. And Nightmare at Elm Street and also Friday the 13th. They're probably my top three.
1: And do you go back further than the 80s? Do you go to some of those ones from the 70s or even before?
2: I mean, I I have some knowledge on on films like Psycho and, Mm -hmm. I guess, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. But I think Psycho is probably the earliest one that that I've watched.
1: All right. Well, we'll see if those Mm -hmm. come up, because just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic. And if you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Roxanne, do listen closely, because you can steal if Ricky gets any of them wrong. Roxanne, by the way, how much do you know about slasher movies?
3: I know next to nothing. Okay.
1: Well <laughs> that's better than nothing. Uh we'll see if that's Ricky true. a chance. I'm yeah. nothing adjacent. Yeah. You're nothing. Okay, good. <laughs> Next to nothing. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Ricky, here's your first question about slasher movies. A man named Leatherface kills a couple of people in Texas with a sledgehammer, throws another one in a freezer, and accidentally runs over someone else with an eighteen wheeler. Oh, and sure he does technically slash one guy with a chainsaw. Despite this relatively low body count, what is the misleading title? of this 1974 cult classic. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. massacred. Helen?
0: That is correct.
1: That is correct for the point. <laughs> Happened to come up in our discussion as well. You did not need the hint, but Helen, what would that very subtle hint have been?
0: He massacres people in Texas with a <laughs> chainsaw. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so
1: subtle. Yes, very subtle. I don't know very if that Very yeah. subtle. Yes, I think even Roxanne might have been able to get it on that one, even though she I, said w- she w- I actually,
3: that one I knew. That I one you that. knew. Okay. I did.
1: All right. Uh, fun fact the title of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was suggested by the head of the Texas Film Commission to help the movie get financing. All right, Ricky, here's question number two. Some slasher films aren't just cult classics, they're just plain classics, like 1960s Psycho, which was nominated for four Academy Awards, including for Lead Actress and Director. Who were either of these two nominees? Alfred Hitchcock. Ellen?
0: That is correct.
1: That is correct. The other was Janet Lee. Fun fact, Psycho was Hitchcock's fifth Oscar nomination for Best Director. He won none of them, but was given an Achievement Award in 1968. By the way, we did an entire segment on Alfred Hitchcock movies on episode 28 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Ricky, you're rolling along. Here is question number three. Speaking of Janet Lee, her daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, ended up being rather prominent herself in slasher movies, most notably the Halloween franchise, which you mentioned you enjoyed. Curtis is one of several women who, because of their place in iconic horror films, are known by what regal title, which is also the title of a TV show about these people that starred Jamie Lee Curtis?
2: Hmm. I guess I'll take a hint on this.
0: All right, Helen, how about that first hint? They're not Whisper Kings. Screamers. Uh, well, I'll gonna...
3: steal this one. <laughs> oh, shit! How do I not know this going?
0: I'm,
1: I'm sorry. That uh, is not correct. Roxanne, you have a chance to steal. I don't know if you have confidence
3: that you can get it, though. No, I mean, I'm, I'm confident adjacent. Uh, <laughs> Scream Queens. Helen? Ooh. That is correct. That
1: is correct. It's yeah, Scream it
3: Queens. Cr- yes,
1: Ricky, I think, you, I think you knew that, just couldn't quite pull it there. <laughs> but a very successful steal by Roxanne. Uh, fun fact, some other actors considered to be Scream Queens include Linnea Quigley, Barbara Crampton, Dee Wallace, and Adrian Barbeau. All right, Ricky, let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. If you make a successful slasher movie, chances are you'll be tempted to make several more. But which of the following is not the title of an actual slasher movie sequel? Is it My Bloody Valentine 2, Return to Sleepaway Camp, Bride of Chucky, Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation?
2: I've never heard of Return to Sleepaway Camp.
1: Helen?
0: That is not correct.
3: No, I'm terribly sorry. The confident adjacent Roxanne Gay has a chance to steal. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Helen?
0: That is not correct.
1: No, there really was a movie like that. I I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Deep Space Nine, but maybe that was me. Uh, (laughs) No, all of those were real except for My Bloody Valentine 2. My bloody Valentine 2. That sounds
2: like it should be a, a film. Well, that's, it was supposed <laughs> to
1: be a little. It was supposed to be a little tricky. That's a number four. It's supposed to get a little harder as we go along. Uh, by the way, I just can't believe yeah.
0: I can't believe there's a real movie called Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight: Jason Takes Manhattan. That's, that was uh, my that, next that,
3: one. That's, that's funny because yeah. that's the one I knew for sure. <laughs> 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 well,
1: when you have a memorable title like that, yeah, it sticks around. <laughs> Uh, Fun fact, My Bloody Valentine did have a remake called My Bloody Valentine 3D. Friday the 13th has 12 total films in the franchise, including two of them that are called Friday the 13th. All right, Ricky, here is question number five. You do still have a hint available. Many directors of slasher films were influenced by an Italian style of cinema called giallo, whose classic films of the 1960s and 70s often involved a mysterious killer who preyed on beautiful women with various means of slashing them. By what food name are these Italian horror movies known?
0: And you have a hint if you need it.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'll take the hint. Why not? Helen, how about that second hint?
0: It's a pasta made in long, slender, solid strings... And it goes great with meatballs.
2: Spaghetti. Helen?
0: That is correct. That's right. Spaghetti <laughs>
1: slashers, they're called.
2: Spaghetti Very nice for the point. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, well, uh,
1: fun fact. Our listeners might be more familiar with the term spaghetti westerns, which refer to westerns that were shot in Europe, often by Italian directors. Giallo, by the way, translates to yellow, which was the cover of the pulp novels that also featured this graphic content. All right, Ricky, you did pretty well in that. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Correct. By the way, for our newer listeners, uh, those oohs were something that we used to do when we had a live audience. A live audience would say ooh when we said cluster fact, and a listener of ours, Brandon J. Carr, suggested that uh, we put together a thing with listeners recording themselves at home and all doing it together, and he was kind enough to do that. So thanks again to Brandon J. Carr.
0: And thanks to all the fans that sent in their oohs. Ricky,
1: A Nightmare on Elm Street is a classic slasher film that helped redefine and reinvigorate the genre. One reason was its incredible director, cast, and characters, some of whom returned for other films in the franchise. For up to three points, answer these three questions about them. First, who directed A Nightmare on Elm Street and one other film in the series? Next, what future big-time movie star made his film debut playing the lead character's boyfriend and later made a cameo in another Nightmare film? And finally, what was the name of the lead character, a young woman who hunted down Freddy Krueger and who returned for some, but not all, of the film series?
2: All right. First, uh, the director. Yes. Right? Wes Craven. All right. I didn't know if this is his debut, but I'm going to say Johnny Depp.
1: Johnny Depp. All right. And then finally, what was the name of the lead character, the young woman who hunted down Freddy Krueger?
2: Oh, man. I might be, I might have this one wrong, but mm-hmm. I want to say uh, first name, just one name. Or, sure. uh Uh, Nancy.
1: Nancy. All right. Well, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight is an award-winning actor and producer whose many credits include playing the lead character in A Nightmare on Elm Street and some of its sequels. It's Heather Langenkamp.
5: Hello, everybody. Hi, Heather Langenkamp. So
2: amazing to meet you. How are you doing?
5: You too, Ricky. I admire your work.
2: Thank you so much.
5: Yay. <laughs>
1: Heather, it's so wonderful to have you here. Uh, there's so much to talk about. We'll talk about Nightmare on Elm Street in a little bit. But uh, you are actually back in the world of horror with an upcoming Netflix series. Tell us about that.
5: Yeah, this year I actually just returned from Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, where I was uh, I've given an incredible part of Dr. Georgina Stanton in Mike Flanagan's next Netflix series, which will be called The Midnight Club. And the show is based on a series of young adult novels that were written in the 90s that were about a group of kids who have terminal cancer. And at night, they get together and tell spooky stories around the campfire. Well, it's not really a campfire. It's the library fire. There's a fire fireplace <laughs> yeah. in their library. It's a really, really touching story, but also... The spooky stories are really, really fun. I am tripping
0: out watching you over Zoom because I'm like, oh my God, it's her! It's Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm literally <laughs> tripping. And I didn't recognize you at first because you weren't either screaming. I know. I'm or not crying. wearing my long, frizzy <laughs> hair. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> screaming or crying
5: or making a <laughs> die face. Yes.
1: Outside of acting, you have worked still in the entertainment business. Tell us about this makeup company of which you are vice president. Present. So
5: my husband is David Leroy Anderson. He's a well-known makeup effects artist, and he did, uh, you know, he's done a lot of movies, but won an Academy Award for uh, Men in Black and Nutty Professor. So we've been married for 30 years. And after I had kids, I I really didn't want to be on the road a lot, and I wanted to stay close. So I kind of made myself uh, part of his company. And, and so I, you know, I do payroll, and I, you know, help everybody make sure they have everything they need to do, the best work they can. I am not a makeup artist myself. A lot of people think that mm-hmm. I am, but I basically manage our company and uh, we've done Star Trek Into Darkness. We did six seasons of American Horror Story and uh, oh. we do a lot, a lot of horror horror movies.
1: Well, let's talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, first of all, do you recommend that people watch it when they're six?
5: I don't personally, but I know so many normal, well-adjusted people that have. So I, <laughs> okay. I wouldn't let my kids watch it actually ever, and they finally like snuck out and watched it at somebody's slumber party, I think. And um, but
1: <laughs> that's the best place to yeah, see it. Yeah, you want to party. see it Come when on. you're
5: kind of forbidden from seeing it. <laughs> the best way to see a horror movie is if someone has told you you can't see a horror movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got that right from Heather Langenkamp herself. <laughs> the story is that you beat over two hundred actors for the role. What what do you remember about the audition? Because uh, I heard you say that you actually didn't know what you were getting into.
5: Well, you know, you know, oftentimes you don't have a chance to read the script. When you go on an audition, you just get a few pages of dialogue. So the pages of dialogue were really sweet. It's, they were, you know, uh, Tina and I were at a slumber party and we're talking about a dream that we had in common. It didn't seem like it was <laughs> going to become, you know, one of the most scary, death scenes in the world. When Tina dies, I think it's probably one of the scariest scenes in horror ever. But we didn't really know what it was going to look like. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was getting into. And every day was a a total adventure. And Wes Craven was just a great guy and and made it all really fun and really enjoyable.
1: There were so many wonderful special effects. Were there scenes that as everything was happening around you, you thought, oh my God, this is going to be entirely scary or the opposite of like, there's no way this is going to be scary. There's just a guy standing over there with a a sheet.
5: Well, I mean, the bathtub scene, I did not see how that could be scary. I didn't know that Mm -hmm. there could be anything scary about a bathtub. And there's a scene in the alleyway where Freddy Krueger stretches his arms across a wide alley and his arms Mm -hmm. get all bendy and weird looking. And I just thought that that looked pretty it just looked cheesy to me, you know, and a lot of the effects in person didn't look quite as great as they looked on uh, you know the final product.
1: Uh by the way, many of the effects that you just described were designed by a fellow named Jim Doyle who happened to be our expert when we did a topic on the Americana at Brand because he went on to be the person who helped design those fountains that you see there at the Villaggio in Las Vegas. I
5: know oh, he is a genius and I I especially loved the day when Wes Craven he said, we really wanted the wall, Freddie Krueger to push his face through the wall and look like the wall was made of something soft, you know, and Jim, you know, I don't think he had any idea how he was going to do it. And what they did is they bought a, a piece of material, which then had just come out called spandex they just invented (laughs) (laughs) they had just invented spandex and so jim is like i know this really high-tech material we'll put across the wall and then he can lean into it put him on a ladder and so it was completely jerry-rigged at the last moment and it's probably the best scene in terms of visual effects of the whole movie.
0: And little did you know that Spandex would go on to be just a horror horror show, a a personal horror show for
5: millions and millions of people. Yes, banned in many countries, yes.
1: (laughs) The movie, of course, ended up being a huge success. Uh, You were not in the second movie, but you were in the third. What's sort of the capsule version about uh, why and how that happened?
5: Well, Wes Craven always believed that Nancy and Freddie were kind of – Opposite sides of the same coin and and he always brought Nancy in whenever he wrote one of the scripts, so he wrote the first script, and you have Nancy and Freddie in their first battle and then he had Nancy and Freddie in the third in the third installment where she's a more of a grown up she right. has you know kind of graduated from that teenager phase and now has different kinds of responsibilities for these kids. She feels more like the adult in the room and then. When Wes Craven was brought back for the seventh movie, which is called Wes Craven's New Nightmare, he brought my character back again. And it kind of was the first meta horror movie where I actually play myself as the actress who gets haunted by Freddie in her real life because he's kind of tired of being just in the movies he really wants to be part of the real world. Wow. Did you
0: know that you were like your movies were going to be responsible for people never being able to wear a red and green striped sweater <laughs> <laughs> ever in public? That's true.
5: I mean I think the fashion police should thank me for that one. I, <laughs> it's a hideous combination. <laughs> but, but, and, and, Wes, and Wes picked the red and green on purpose because it's the two colors that the human eye can't really process us together very well and ah. so he thought it would be a very dissonant com- combination which he was correct about
1: uh we talked earlier about scream queens we didn't mention your oh, name yes. in that list because we knew you were coming up uh how do you feel about uh, that term scream queen and uh being in a list with those other women
5: well i have mixed feelings about scream queen because i think that we do a lot more than just scream it's it, it kind mm. of reduces our role in these movies which is very important role very you know, it's become a very feminist role and a very kick-ass role. And it, it it kind of reduces it to just this idea that you're screaming and running away. and
1: Right, which is completely the opposite of what you're doing in the first one, especially.
5: But now I realize that it's so catchy. And I just think that it's – I've kind of adopted it now and I'm very proud to call myself a scream queen – and I think I'll, you know, that'll be on my epitaph. Definitely. Scream <laughs> queen. That's all I need to put on there. It'll
1: be great. Yeah, I was, I was really struck. I, I had not seen the full film before. And I thought that, oh, this was a movie about Freddy Krueger. And he's in it for maybe seven minutes or something. This is a movie about Nancy going to, to get justice.
5: Right. That's exactly right. And so yeah. that's why she's become such a beloved character. I do believe it's the people see themselves... In her, whether you're male or female, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see yourself in her and her struggle and her loyalty to her friends and her difficulty with her parents. And mm-hmm. all of her struggles are were American teenager struggles at the time.
1: All right. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Ricky. First, we wanted to know who directed A Nightmare on Elm Street and one other film in the series. Helen, what did Ricky say?
0: Ricky said Wes Craven.
1: And Heather,
5: That is correct.
1: That is correct, yes. In fact, he put his name (laughs) on the seventh one. (laughs) Right. Great, that's a point there for Ricky. Next, we want to know what future big-time movie star made his film debut playing the lead character's boyfriend and later made a cameo in another Nightmare film. Helen, what did Ricky say? Ricky said Johnny Depp. And Heather?
5: That is correct as well. That is correct.
1: Very nice for the point. (laughs) He
2: has one of the best death scenes I think of the entire series too getting pulled through the bed
5: yeah so imaginative crazy that scene was shot in a room that actually rotated (gasps) and when they rotated the room they rotated it in the wrong direction I don't know if this is Jim Doyle's fault but Uh the blood was supposed to go streaming down the walls but Mm -hmm. instead it went rushing out of one of the open windows and so (laughs) if you look at it again you'll see that even though all that blood goes Mm -hmm. into the ceiling none of it really ends up on the
1: wall. Oh, that's really interesting. I I love that shot of it going to the ceiling. That's funny that that was an accident. All right, and then finally we wanted to know, what was the name of the lead character, the young woman who hunted down Freddy Krueger and who returned for some, but not all, of the film series? Helen, what did Ricky Duran say?
0: Ricky said Nancy.
1: And Heather?
5: That is correct.
1: (laughs) That is correct. Three for three in the cluster for Ricky. Congratulations. Uh, Ricky, you mentioned that Nightmare on Elm Street is one of your very favorite of the slasher films. Is there anything you'd like to ask or say, or? expert while we have her here
2: i just want to say that it's it's such an honor to meet you i never thought that there'd be any circumstance where we would meet (laughs) this is so random but my sisters are going to lose their minds when i tell them oh i hope so
5: i hope i get to meet you one day in person that would be really fun
2: I would love that, too. Thank you so much.
5: I, too, am going to tell my sister, and she's probably
0: going to need a <laughs> therapy appointment immediately after I
1: tell her. Well, Heather, thank you so much for being a jealousy fuel for uh, two of the people on the show. Heather, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that?
5: Well, happy Halloween. You can always find out what I'm doing if you go to imnancy.info. I usually put where I, if I go to any public appearances or if I have anything going on, I'll put it there.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was wonderful to speak with you, Heather Langenkamp. Thank
5: you.
1: All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At
5: the end of
0: that round, Ricky Duran has 10 points and Roxanne Gay has one point with a round of questions for Roxanne coming up.
1: That's right. We're going to talk with Roxanne about a topic she knows about. Plus later, Roxanne and Ricky will go head to head in our fast facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy.
1: You know, we get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain physical wellness and prevent injury and disease. Well, going to therapy is like all of that. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Therapy doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. You know, I'm in therapy and I'm very grateful for it. And so are the people who have to deal with me.
0: BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It can be more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours.
1: Why invest in everything else in your life and not in your mind? Get help get better
0: help we're glad this podcast is sponsored by better help and you'll be glad that go fact yourself listeners get 10 percent off their first month at better help.com slash go fact that's b-e-t-t-e-r h-e-l-p.com slash go fact thank, thank you, you better, better
1: help. help a man was walking along a beach which represented his life At his feet were two sets of footprints, his and God's. But looking back down the beach, the man could see that in the hardest parts of his life, there was only one set of footprints. So the man said to God, Why is there only one set of footprints when times were hard? Where were you? And God replied, My precious child, I was in my car, listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Ricky Duran and Roxanne Gay. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton.
1: Thanks so much, Helen. All right, Roxanne, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1990s hip-hop, the movie Pretty Woman, and the fictional world of Clive Cussler novels. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us what 1990s hip-hop means to you.
3: Uh, I'm 46, about to be 47, so I grew up on 1990s hip-hop. And to this day, even when I'm in my car, I'm listening to um, the Sirius XM uh, mm-hmm. 90s hip hop channel. And it's just great music and ridiculousness. And I am <laughs> really, really fond of it. I just, you know, if I want to get down, that's how I'm going to get down. What do you mean by ridiculousness? I mean, the lyrics are so hilarious sometimes. It's <laughs> just like, what did you just say? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go with that then. Okay.
0: It was a little bit goofier of a time, right? Like It just
3: seems like music was happier back then. And yeah. even like yeah. the hardcore stuff. I mean, it was Biggie. It was Tupac. I mean, real things were being talked about. But and uh, get off my lawn. But yeah. it just felt <laughs> more authentic and more like people actually enjoyed making music. Mm. Yeah. Instead of making I like a. Personality, like a public figure personality, right. which I don't think is anyone's fault. I understand why it has happened this way in the Instagram age, but still. All
1: right. You also said you know a lot about the movie Pretty Woman.
3: Yeah. I just love the movie and I know it's problematic feminism. And, you know, I, I'm aware and <laughs> it, it gives, it, you know, it definitely gives me pause. But it was one of those movies. It was one of the first movies that I ever saw. That you ever saw, period? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean I had seen like the Star Wars movies. It was like the first adult movie that I I ever mm -hmm. saw. And so I think it just I imprinted on the movie or the movie imprinted on me. So it was just like that that kind of oh wow, look at this. Yeah. Look at this.
1: (laughs) And then finally you said you know a lot about the fictional world of Clive Cussler novels.
3: Yes. I mean, everything obviously dates back to my teens and 20s. But (laughs) I also read quite a lot of Clive Cussler novels. I don't know anything about his novels in, I would say, the past 20 years. But back in the day, Dirk Pitt was the man. And so I would just read all about Dirk Pitt and his best pal, Al Giordino, who would travel around the world going on adventures. Very cool. All right. Well, to
1: summarize, Roxanne, you said you know a lot about 1990s hip-hop, the movie Pretty Woman, and the fictional world of Clive Custler novels. Today, we want to quiz you about the movie Pretty Woman. Yes. Yes, you seem you seem relieved. You seem relieved. Uh, you made well, the I, right
3: choice. Oh, good. Oh, good. Good. No, well, they would have all been fine, but I'm yeah. sure.
1: Uh, well, I am curious, as someone who's written a lot about feminism, uh, what is your take on Pretty Woman? And, and do you do you see it as a feminist movie, or do you see it as a not a feminist
3: movie? Uh, no, it's not a feminist. Not a feminist movie. movie. Okay, <laughs> but, but it's a fun movie. Okay, but you know the thing about the movie that I think is the most challenging. Mm. It's not what most feminists would say, but I, the way it glamorizes sex work, mm. I, I, I'm all for sex work. I think it should be legal or not legalized. It should be at least decriminalized. Mm-hmm. I think it's existed forever and it will right. exist forever, but there are not a lot of Richard Gears, <laughs> you know, and so yeah. I just thought, I mean, under those circumstances, who wouldn't like want to yeah. spend a week with Richard Gere in the suite at the Hotel Beverly Wilshire? Like, yeah. I'm totally ready for that. It's fine, <laughs> and so it's just it makes it seem like it's a more safer and gentler, yeah. um, and more humane than it right. is. It makes it seem like it should be than right. how it is. So, but it's a comedy, and yeah. and I
1: think it's so great that uh, you can take these issues very seriously, but
3: also just yeah. admit it's fun. Yeah, it's just fun. Like the shopping scene, all of it. It's like, we're We're allowed to have fun and
1: still confront real issues.
3: Correct. Uh, All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help
1: of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Now, Ricky, do listen closely because if Roxanne answers incorrectly, you can steal. Ricky, by the way, how much do you know about the movie Pretty Woman?
2: You know, I was hoping you guys were going to choose '90s hip hop because I'm—I <laughs> know a little bit more of that. Yeah, not too much I know about Pretty women, but let's let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, I think
1: we've got another next to nothing situation here. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, Roxanne, here's your first question about Pretty Woman. One of the sexy sequences in Pretty Woman takes place while a classic scene from a classic episode of a classic black and white sitcom is playing on TV. That scene shows women stomping on grapes to make wine and is from an episode called Lucy's Italian Movie. What is that Mm -hmm. sitcom called? I Love Lucy. Helen?
0: That is correct.
1: Said with a smile and said correctly. Very nice. You did not need the hint in that, but Helen, what would that hint have been?
0: It's not You Hate Lucy.
1: It sure (laughs) isn't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fun fact, Pretty Woman director Gary Marshall called Julia Roberts a combination of Lucille Ball, Audrey Hepburn, and Bambi, which I think he meant as a compliment. All right, here's a question. Number two, if the fellow who plays Richard Gere's skeevy lawyer Philip Stuckey looks familiar, it could be because he had just won a Tony and Grammy before the movie came out. Or it could be because he was nominated for seven consecutive Emmy Awards for playing George Costanza on Seinfeld. Either way, who is this versatile actor?
3: Uh, Jason Alexander.
1: Helen?
0: That is correct.
1: That is correct. Uh, Fun fact, Jason Alexander won the Tony and Grammy for his role in Jerome Robbins' Broadway. He also was in the original Broadway cast of Stephen Sondheim's Merrily We Roll Along. Speaking of rolling along, Roxanne, you are two for two. Here's question number three. We know the movie as Pretty Woman, but what was the original title of the film, which is a number, the number of dollars Edward agrees to pay Vivian for six full days of her company?
3: $3,000.
1: Helen?
0: That is correct. That
1: is correct. 3000 was the original title. Fun fact, that original screenplay is reported to have been much darker, although people often forget that this movie still has an early scene where a woman is found murdered in a dumpster. You're three for three, Roxanne. Here's question number four. One of the movie's famous sequences involves Vivian going to fancy stores in Beverly Hills and Mm -hmm. not getting proper service. This is preceded by a montage of shop signs shot in close-up, but which of the following stores is not shown in that sequence? Is it Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton... Versace or Diamonds on Rodeo?
3: Oh, Christ on a cracker. That's the reaction we were looking for. <laughs> you know, I live in LA and so Versace is on Rodeo. Louis Vuitton is on Rodeo. Mm-hmm. Chanel is on Rodeo. I don't think Diamonds for Rodeo, diamonds is on. I All don't right. think that's on Rodeo actually. But I wasn't in LA back then. So what's the hint? Helen, how about that first hint?
0: Diamonds on Rodeo is shown in this montage.
3: Oh, I'm going to go with Versace. Versace. Helen? (laughs) That
0: is correct. That is correct. Very nice (laughs) nice job.
1: Fun fact Diamonds on Rodeo does not appear to exist anymore. Gucci and Louis Vuitton still have stores on Rodeo. Chanel, by the way, is not on Rodeo, it's on Wilshire. What a scandal.
3: It's, oh my God, it's, the it's still
1: a, Yes, it's still at the corner of Rodeo, but come on. Yeah. No, Versace—I th- I don't think was quite as a well-known brand back then, so that's probably why it did not make the cut. Yep. All right, Roxanne, you were four for four. Have a chance to go five for five. You still have a hint available. Pretty Woman had a popular soundtrack as well, which went three times platinum in the U.S. and featured four singles. Two of these singles became top ten hits and, coincidentally, bookend the movie, one under the opening credits and one under the closing credits. Who is the artist of each of these songs?
3: Yeah, I'll take the hint. Helen, how about that second
1: hint?
0: The opening song is King of Wishful Thinking by an artist who isn't Stop East. The closing song is It Must Have Been Love by an artist who rhymes with set.
3: Oh, yeah. Uh, go West and Roxette. Helen?
0: That is correct. That is
3: correct. Roxanne Gay is five for five.
1: Very nice. <laughs> the opposite of Stop East, Go West. Fun fact that soundtrack also featured Natalie Cole, David Bowie, and of course, Roy Orbison. All right, Roxanne, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your high level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <laughs> we'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Okay. While the focus of the movie was on Julia Roberts' Vivian, she wasn't the only sex worker in Pretty Woman. Her roommate and work colleague, Kit, played a memorable and influential role, including in scenes where she meets Vivian at the fancy hotel and later at an outdoor restaurant. For up to three points, answer these three questions about Kit. First, at the front desk of the fancy hotel, Kit confronts an older couple staring at her and says, 50 bucks, Grandpa, but for how much does Kit say the wife can watch? Next, at the outdoor restaurant with what fairy tale character with a profanity mixed in, does Kit answer Vivian's question, "Who does it really work out for?" And finally, who
3: played Kit? I think for 100 okay. uh, Grandma can watch, uh Cinderella, mm-hmm. and it was played by the absolutely wonderful Laura Sangiocomo.
1: All right, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight is an award-winning actor whose many credits include NCIS, Just Shoot Me, and playing Kit in Pretty Woman. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> it's Laura San Giacomo. Wow.
1: <laughs> Hello, Laura San Giacomo. Hello.
3: Wow.
0: Hi, Roxanne. <laughs> Hi. That's
3: so exciting. Oh, my God. Kit DeLuca. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Kit
1: was your full name in Pretty Woman, Laura. Obviously, Roxanne is very excited uh, to meet you. Uh, although so she excited.
3: Did... My wife is going to die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in a good way, we presume. Yeah, uh, very. But, but, Laura, you were very eager to uh, meet and talk with Roxanne as well. Oh, my
4: gosh. I'm just going to fangirl right on you right what?
1: now. <laughs> wow. Thank you hey. so much. Laura just held up two of Roxanne's books to the camera.
0: Oh, this is like mutual admiration <laughs> That's club. so lovely,
3: especially because she held up my novel, which 10 people have read. So
1: that really <laughs> makes me so excited. Laura, tell us about uh, your enjoyment of Roxanne's work.
4: I just felt like, Roxanne, you just take your reader, or me at least, and you hold them in the palm of your hand, and then you squeeze them pull them tug them (laughs) and lead them through this story and thank you so much it was a it was an amazing journey
3: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. That's really kind Aww. of you.
1: Roxanne, you referred to uh, Laura as the absolutely wonderful Laura San Giacomo, <laughs> which I think everybody would agree with. Tell us about what you think is so absolutely wonderful about her.
3: Well, I mean, she was really scene stealing, I thought, in Pretty Woman. She just took that role and like made it super meaty and sexy, and I loved it. And of course, I've continued to follow her work over the years, and so it's just always great to see. I think women don't get great roles often, and so you have to, do, you have to put the greatness into the little shell that hollywood gives you and so i always admire an actor who can do that well oh, thank you well laura
1: we'll talk a little bit more about pretty women in a second uh mm-hmm. but of course you're also known for your work in movies like sex lies and videotape quickly down under stuff like under suspicion the stand saving grace honey boy and i understand that you're going to be starting upcoming on a very popular hbo show what can you tell us about that
4: Oh yeah, I'm gonna do a couple of episodes of Barry. Oh, she's really Whoa. great. I'm so excited because I'm a big fan of the show, so and they're really great people, super creative, and I'm happy to be invited to play.
0: Whoa, that is so cool. That's such yeah. a great show.
1: You're doing so many different kinds of work and films and sitcoms and, and single camera stuff. I was interested in finding out that you list some of your inspirations of, of as sitcom stars, particularly Elizabeth Montgomery and Marlo Thomas. I was curious what you what did you take away from from them.
4: To me, in the seventies, when when I was coming of age, they were these uh fabulous women who could do anything. And Marlo Thomas living in an apartment on her own, trying to become an actress,
1: in that girl, yeah.
4: This goofiness and also this uh warmth they're extending to the people in their lives and there mm. was something great about that. But those were two like very famous lead actresses who mm-hmm. were carrying on lives and making magic happen literally or figuratively
1: around. And also them. worked as producers on, on uh, their shows yeah. as well. Right. Roxanne mentioned the way that you've carved a wonderful career for yourself uh, despite the limitations in Hollywood. And um, I, I saw an interview where you talked about your acting as a career of falling in love and uh, repeatedly over and over and falling in love. I'm not, I'm not sure if you recall that, but if you could speak more about that, I was very curious.
4: Sure. I, I always feel that. Yeah. You... you read something and, and fall in love with it and you work on it for months at a time and you fall in love with that world, with that story, with the person, with the, the characters that you're interacting with. It's, it's all about love.
1: Speaking of love, you've put your love into action with a charity that you're very involved with. It's called Momentum Wheels for Humanity. Tell us about what they do and about why you wanted to get involved in that.
4: Yeah, they provide wheelchairs for people all around the world and they uh, do research on mobility and they present this research to governments so that wheelchairs and physical therapy and rehabilitation will become part of the healthcare system because, although it's very natural part of our healthcare system, It is not around the world. Mm. There are many kids and adults who are laying on the floor, and um, we try to bring appropriate wheelchairs to various countries around the world, as well as that research that will incorporate it into the healthcare system. We try to change government policy
5: wow well
1: this isn't just something that you speak about and help raise money for you actually serve on the board and according to the website you actually are currently the secretary of the board oh (laughs) my This charity yes so what's that been like for you how are you taking minutes (laughs) i
4: am so lucky i don't have to do that oh that's nice (laughs) nice where they said okay laura you're the secretary i was like what am i supposed to do I couldn't open the document to look at the minutes. (laughs) So, okay. Um, does everybody approve the minutes? Like, that's what I said. That's all you, that's all you that's have to you Okay, Okay, That's what I said. Yeah, yeah.
1: Nice. All right, well, let's talk about Pretty Woman. There have been so many legendary stories about how the movie was cast with different roles, but uh, everything that I researched just said, oh, and then we brought in Laura Giacomo and then she got the role. Um, but I imagine there was more to it than that from your perspective. Tell us about what your point of view was.
4: I actually, it was pretty simple. I just went in for an audition, and here I was auditioning for Gary Marshall, this legend of my whole life, reading from this script, and then I got a call that I got the role.
1: Okay, so was that easy? Yeah, that's great. It was pretty simple. Well, Gary Marshall was known for writing on set, as they say, which was you know making a lot of revisions, doing a lot of different kind of takes. Did you like working that way? Oh yeah, it's
4: so fun and scary because mm. Gary will just say, "Um, at this moment, just say something funny." Okay, rolling, <laughs> and that's all you would get. <laughs> so you had to think fast mm-hmm. and be clear and. Listen to him because he often gave you the keys to the kingdom Mm. right before they called rolling. So it was great.
1: If I understand it right, this was actually just your second movie after you had done Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which is sort of the quintessential indie film. How is it different for you being on set of a big studio film after that experience?
4: Super different. (laughs) Super different. (laughs) Super different. Well, Gary is so loved by his crew. So that, that was amazing to watch. It was a huge... Hollywood movie and so there were trailers and then like this we all had our own trailers and there was prop departments like whole departments of people where on sex (laughs) lies it was pretty much like one or two people were sort of running that department this was skeletal crew compared to the hugeness of Pretty Woman.
1: You did a reunion a few years ago on the Today Mm -hmm. Show with some of the other cast members Mm -hmm. and with uh, Gary Mm -hmm. Marshall. What was it like to see everyone again? And was that the first time that you had seen them uh, since the film?
4: Not the first time. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's always good to see people that you've spent a lot of time with. And, you know, it's it's bittersweet because as Roxanne says, it's a tricky, tricky subject matter. Mm -hmm. I couldn't afford to Look at the huge scope of Mm. stories being told and say, well, I can pick and choose. What was important to me was that this was a story that had heart and that this Mm. was a story of Mm -hmm. friendship. And that's what I could bring to it. I got asked a lot of really difficult questions when Mm. I was doing press for that movie and for years after that I felt was, was really difficult to deal with.
1: Interesting. Mm. And kind of not fair to put that on you. You're there to to do a job as an actor.
4: Uh, I, You know, Gary used to say, I make recess. I don't make school. (laughs) And other people make school, but I don't do that. And Mm. is it fair to say we're only given so much power? I mean, until Mm. you're at a point where you can produce your own material, which I'm not in that position, then... I have to be a little bit of a gun for hire. And then I have to say, what right. love can I bring to this? Because yeah. that's what you got to do. You have to fall in love with every character, whether they're a murderer or um, whatever, whatever they do, so that you can show humanity. You can put up a mirror for people to see humanity.
1: Yeah, and you bring dignity. You bring humor to the role. I mean, that was something that uh, other people might not have been able to, to provide. Last thing I want to ask you about, uh, everyone, of course, has their favorite Laura San Giacomo role. A lot of people, it is Pretty Woman. For me, it is Stewart Saves His Family, which is, I think, a criminally underappreciated film. Isn't
4: it great?
1: I absolutely love it. I mean, you know, a lot of it is because I relate to it maybe a little more than I would like to. Uh, okay. I, was, I was just curious what your take was on that movie and any memories that you, that you have of it.
4: Oh, my gosh. I'm at home. I'm watching Saturday Night Live. I'm seeing the little uh, couple-minute sketch that he's doing of Stuart's Molly. And I think to myself, this should be expanded. This should be more. And then a couple of weeks later, I get this call <gasps> to you read for it. I did to read for this movie. And so it was really a pleasure. And it was so great to work with Harold Remus. It was just really fun.
0: Wow, I can't believe you manifested that project and your role in it. That's crazy. And I
1: think another example of bringing heart and humor and dignity to something that could have just been, you know, something very fluffy or, or, you know, making fun of these people. I, I really recommend the movie for people who haven't checked it out. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Roxanne about some character named Kit in some movie called Pretty Woman. First, we wanted to know at the front desk of the fancy hotel, how much does she say it will cost for the wife to watch? Helen, what did Roxanne say?
0: Roxanne said $100. And Laura?
1: Laura?
4: Overpriced, seventy-five.
3: <laughs> 75. Ah, no. Okay, really but they might have devaluing tipped. Devaluing yeah, my exactly. <laughs> <Really> Inflation, <devaluing. laughs> man.
1: I hope you weren't insulted. Uh, I'm sorry, no point there, but uh, still relatively close. Uh, all right, next we wanted to know what fairy tale character with a profanity mixed in does Kit answer Vivian's question of who does it really work out for? Helen, what did Roxanne say?
0: Okay, uh, get ready with that bleep button, editor Julian Burrell. She said cinder Cinderella.
1: And Laura? That's correct. That is correct for the point. Uh, do you recall, was that something that was in the script or something that you all came up with on the set?
4: No, that was Gary coming up to me and saying, okay, for the next take, you know, you know, <laughs>
1: just kind of
4: like, who does it work out for? Like maybe Cinderella or something like, you know, just like p- put something in there maybe about Cinderella. Okay, rolling. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> and that's... What came out of my mouth?
1: Oh, that's oh, wow. fantastic! That's amazing! Wow. Very cool! That's <laughs>
0: incredible! That's you, so iconic! You, you can
1: take the girl out of Jersey, you can't take the Jersey out of the girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then finally, we wanted to know who played Kit in the movie Pretty Woman. Helen, what did Roxanne Gay
0: say? Roxanne said, "The wonderful Laura San Giacomo
4: And. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> yes, oh, that so, your Yay, yes,
1: that is how you introduce yourself now. Yes.
3: <laughs> From now on, just lead with that. <laughs> exactly. All
1: right, another point for Roxanne. Uh, Laura, it's been so wonderful to have you here before we let you go. Roxanne, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask
3: of Laura Santacomo? I'm just a real fan of your work. Um, even uh, and not even even, but also in television. I think a lot of people don't realize you do a lot of TV. It's just really great to see you and meet you. You're Thank incredible. You.
4: Thank you so much. Right back uh, at can you. I,
0: I also need to say I'm a huge fan of you and I'm a huge fan of the movie. And like there were things that you did in that movie that were so like, there's a scene in the lobby where you're like blowing. Oh my like, god, on yes, the glass, on the counter. And you're blowing <laughs> on the counter and the way that you're snapping your gum was just so ah, I love everything about you. You were so great. Thank and when you. you like
3: make a little meal from the bar snap, burn the bar yeah. fruit.
0: <laughs>
3: Every time I go to a bar I think about doing that. And I'm like, I don't think it's gonna go over the same way, but <laughs> That's so sweet, you guys. Thank you so much.
1: Well, Laura, you gave us so much good stuff. If people want to find out more about you or your work, anywhere you want to send them?
4: I, d- I, just, I don't do that. Okay. Oh. I, don't, <laughs> I don't have that. I don't do that. I'm too old for
1: that. Well, if people do want to see you, of course, they can watch that new upcoming season of Barry, whatever you do on the show. And of course, your charity that you're involved with is called Momentum for Humanity. That's Momentum, the number four, humanity.org to find out more about that. Thanks so much for joining us. It's Laura San Giacomo. Thanks so much, you, you guys.
0: Thank
1: Thank you. You. <laughs> All right, Helen, what is our score as we go into the final round?
0: At the end of that round, Ricky Duran has 10 points and Roxanne Gay has eight points.
1: All right. Now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Ricky and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Ricky, there's an American airline named American Airlines. True. Correct. Roxanne, there's an American airline named JetBlue. True. Correct. Ricky, there was an Irish airline named JetGreen. False. Incorrect. No, there really was. Roxanne, (laughs) there was a UK airline named Scott. Mm, False.
0: Incorrect. No, there
1: really was. Ricky, there's a Singapore airline named Scoot. False.
0: Incorrect. No, No, there really is.
1: (laughs) Roxanne, (laughs) Roxanne, there's a Kazakhstan airline named SCAT. True.
0: Correct. There oh. we go,
1: Ricky. There's a Swedish airline named Skate.
2: Oh, I gotta say, false. No.
0: Correct. No, All that right. would
1: be ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Scoot, and Scat, sure, but Skate goes too far. Uh, Roxanne, there was an Icelandic airline named Wow Air. True. Correct. Ricky, there's a Hungarian airline named Wizz Air. That's W I Z Z Air. True. Correct. Roxanne, Wizz Air's slogan is G Wizz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> False. I hope it Correct. is. Correct.
1: <laughs> Ricky, Whiz Air's slogan is, when you gotta go, you gotta go. False. <laughs> Correct. Roxanne, Whiz Air's slogan is, take a whiz. <laughs> False. Correct. And finally, Ricky, I was going to make a whiz in my pants joke, but I decided against it because this show is too classy. False
4: correct yeah I, I think i accidentally
1: <laughs> did all right uh, let, we want to thank roxanne gay and ricky duran as helen tabulates the final score by the way Wizair's air's actual recent slogan is only good vibes although i kind of like ours better all right helen are you ready to announce the final score of today's show
0: I am. It is a very close game, Jay Keith. At the end of the game, Ricky Durant has 13 points and Roxanne Gay has 12 points.
1: Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, super a close game close. and a high scoring game. But congratulations, Ricky Durant. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Ricky, what will you do with your championship?
2: Roxanne, uh it was awesome meeting you. And like what? Uh, what am I going to do with the championship? Um, yeah. Yeah. What do I
1: win? <laughs> <laughs> all right well we've got to uh, wrap the show up uh give everyone another chance to promote anything they might like uh ricky duran where can people find you and
3: your work
2: uh you can find me at iamrickyduran.com i'm also all over social media i'm big on instagram at iamrickyduran uh and all over youtube just released a new video for my new single called waiting on you um and yeah please check it out
1: Excellent. We're so glad that we checked it out. I really enjoyed watching your clips uh, this week. You're so talented, and, and I wish you nothing but the best. And thank you so much for joining us, Ricky Duran. Thank you. Uh, Roxanne Gay, where can people find what you're up to?
3: Uh, they can find me at roxanne.gay. <laughs> so great, uh, Roxanne Gay. And I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram as well.
1: You sure are. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was quite an honor, Roxanne Gay. Helen Hong is my hosting partner. Helen, what would you like to tell the people about for you?
0: You can follow me on all the socials at funny Helen Hong. The, the funny Helen Hong because that other Helen Hong she's just she's not funny she I'm is sorry. not She is not, not.
1: but this Helen Hong is funny and we're so glad we have her as my hosting partner Helen Hong and me you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and at jkeith.net all spelled out that just leads me to thank Ricky Duran Roxanne Gay Heather Camp, Laura San Giacomo and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org I'm Jake Keith Van Stratton Good night. like what you hear come see us live someday I hope It'll be free. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Michelle Copter did on Podchaser. He, she, or they said, I love this show. Is there anything more pure than hearing a contestant geek out upon meeting an expert in their weirdly specific favorite topic? No, Michelle there really isn't. Helen?
0: <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and Jake Heath and Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher Associate producer, editor, engineer and high-top fade expert is Julian Burrell Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green Research assistance provider by Adam Neediff. Quiz assistance provided by Mike Avayanos and Clint Tausher. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Velada. Special thanks to Gina Rugolo Judd at Rugolo Entertainment, Anna Castle at Core PR, and Caitlin Adams. I've been Helen Hong.
1: Let's go watch Pretty Women. Whoops, no, that's not the name of the movie. <laughs> keep it, keep it. Let's go watch Pretty Women so often that they become Pretty Women. <laughs>